Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. I'm glad you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. So I would encourage you to go ahead and make your way uh, there to the Gospel of Matthew um, chapter 6. And uh, I tell you what, I'm going to skip the introduction I did in the first service and just jump right in. So if you got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. That'd be sad, wouldn't it? Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, now I'm doing a, uh, a test. This is a test to measure the sharpness and brightness of our congregation this morning. Okay, and here's the test. Uh, in a moment, appearing behind me will be a picture of a 1960 television show cast. And when the picture comes up, if you know uh, what this uh, group of people or the cast of, just shout the show out. Okay, you ready? Show the slide if you would, please. Lost in Space. Some additional sci-fi nerds. I love it. As a kid, I was a sci-fi nerd. As an adult, I'm still a sci-fi nerd. Uh, I am one of those who uh, is an enthusiast both of Star Trek and Star Wars. Now, some people say you can't be both, but yet here I stand. You can be both. You, you, you can do both of those. Now, in, in this television show, the central character there kind of in the background was this robot and one of the things the robot did almost every, every show is he would momentarily go ballistic. He would wave his hands and arms or claws, whatever he had in the air, and he would whirl around and start hollering, warning, Will Robinson, danger. And then he would tell what the danger working around the corner would be, and the Robinsons would, you know, go, go to the ready. They would be ready for what was uh, about to happen. Jesus 
begins this portion of his message on the Sermon on the Mount with this word, beware. Be, beware. There's, there's danger lurking around the corner. Some translations translate that word this way. Watch out. Take care. Be careful. Friends, any time you read Jesus saying, beware, you should pay really close attention because what's about to happen is if you continue on your path, you're, you're going to run off a cliff. And it, will, it, it could lead to um, great destruction in your life, great pain, great sorrow. And so Jesus starts out saying, beware of what? Look at verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness. Now, you kind of read that and you think, is Jesus anti-righteousness now? What's, what's going on here? Why is Jesus saying, warning, you know, watch out for being righteous? Well, that's not what Jesus has in mind here. Jesus is telling us to be mindful of the motives of our heart as we're practicing our righteousness. He's not against practicing righteousness, okay? Now, if, just a reminder, we ended back in November, we, we, we paused, hit the pause button on this study, and we ended um, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. And this was the last statement in that portion of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Jesus said this, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I don't know about you, but man, that's like, wow. That's kind of intimidating to think about. How can somebody like me you know, do that. And then he dives right into this, this passage in chapter 6. But now remember, we talked about this. Jesus wasn't setting the bar on righteousness, saying this is something that's got to happen instantaneously. And, and here's a mistake I think a lot of people make when they start to pursue Jesus, follow Jesus. They think they're supposed to be, you know, instantly perfect. But Jesus knows that would be way too... Uh, oppressive. And so he's talking about this idea of practicing your righteousness as a way of saying, they're conveying, there's some things that we need to be doing as, as we work out and walk out our, our faith to, to grow to know God, to becoming, uh, looking more and more like Jesus. And so thinking in these terms, it's practicing your righteousness using righteous practices. It's practicing being, being more like Jesus. But I want you to know what Jesus says here. He says uh, this practice of righteousness, even though you need to be warned about it, you need to be, be, be wary of how to do it, Jesus assumes that people who are going to follow him will be practicing righteousness. They'll be engaging in righteous practices. Jesus just kind of assumes this. In verse 2, he says, when you give. In verse 5, he says, when you pray. He's, he's saying you're engaging. If you jump down to verse 16, we didn't read that, but he says, when you fast. Jesus is assuming that anybody who's going to follow him will be engaging in these kind of righteous practices as a, as a way of becoming. Now, please remember, Jesus is not speaking into kind of a, a, a vacuum. He's not just trying to sound like a religious leader. He was speaking to real people in a real culture, in a real time, in a real place with real challenges. 
And so he talks about this giving and praying and fasting, knowing that in his culture, those were ways that people uh, practiced to move towards holiness, to, to show that they were followers uh, of God. You'd be, be doing these things. And so Jesus was speaking to very real people who were facing very real challenges in this journey and oftentimes not feeling like they were measuring up to God's standards. And it's real important to understand this. Jesus is not condemning those practices. Jesus is not condemning giving. He's not condemning praying. He's not condemning fasting. What he was condemning was the oppression that comes from doing those practices looking for external approval from uh, approval from, from others. And so this is something important to grab hold of about Jesus' ministry. And you'll see it all throughout his teaching ministry. Jesus addresses cultural issues that set out to erode human flourishing. Jesus, Jesus dove into cultural issues. He didn't avoid those. He walked into those things. And so in our passage, Jesus is addressing uh, a problem in, in the culture of his day. And he would say, don't do it this way. Do it this way. You know, the, the culture that Jesus was uh, speaking into in these moments was a very stoic culture. They were a, a, a very uh, formulaic, if you would, religious culture. And that led to, to something else that we see Jesus addressing here head on. And Scott mentioned it. And this, this, this idea of hypocrisy. And the religious leaders of the day, interestingly, uh, in Je encounters Jesus had with them were often the most uh, hypocritical of all in the way they were pursuing this righteous practices. Their motivation always seemed to be to get accolades from other people. And remember in verses 2 and 5 what, what Jesus said. He said, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet, as the hypocrites do. And when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites. Jesus was emphatic about not choosing the path of fake rewards from a false motivation. You know, the, the reward of receiving approval and admiration from others. Because if that's, Jesus says, if that's your goal, you're going to get it. But that's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to end up with. And so I want you to look back at the last half of those verses, the verses 2 and 5. He said, if that's what you're going after, truly... I say to you, you've received a reward. He says that both about giving and about praying. If that's what you're after, in the way that you give, the way that you pray, then you got it. It's going to be short-lived. It's going to be like, like a vapor. You know, you may feel good about it for a moment, but it's going to disappear. Um, it's kind of like New Year's fireworks, you know. A lot of people go out and blow a lot of cash on, on fireworks and you know, they, they shoot them off, they blow them off, you know, keep old people like me awake. And um, th then, uh, then it's gone. It's just smoke. It, it, it's disappeared. Maybe somebody oohed and odd, but, but, but then it's gone. The thrill was gone shortly thereafter. You know, let me, let me give you a, a, a more modern illustration, okay? I'm going to pick on, uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to pick on Kyler and his sweet broad Katie. Um, for a moment, there. Um, and this is just a fake scenario, but just to, to help you get, get kind of captured by this. Um, let's say, 
that, you know, Katie and Kyler have decided that they'll do their giving at the end of the service. Some people give before the service as they come in. Some people give on their way out. Some people do online. But let's say Katie and Kyler's method of giving is to give on their way out at the end of the day. And, and so at the end of the day, Katie um, begins heading out, and Kyler's with her, and they get to one of the giving kiosks on, at the back door, and um, Katie opens the, the little door, and she's got their envelope with their, with their giving and tie check, and, and she's about to drop it in it, but before she does, she raises it high, and Kyler whips out a bugle, okay? And he plays Reveille. And Katie starts waving the envelope around, and when he gets to the end of it, she drops it in, and they, you know, head on out. Now, I know that sounds foolish, and I know, you know, Katie and Kyler well enough to know that's not the, the bent of their heart. Kyler's saying, what, what gives back there? Um, the Kyler's saying he would never play the bugle like this. Um, <laughs> the, um, but, you know, that sounds ridiculous. And in so many ways it is, but it's also so very true in the way some people approach their practice of, of faith, their pursuit of God. Now, so many of us, and I think most all of us at times, there are things about our lives, our brokenness, our warts that we don't want anybody to see, and we try to hide those things. We try to walk away from them, you know, uh, and you know this really happens. You know, somebody's on their way to church, a husband, a wife, and, and somebody was running late. And it caused a little bit of a, a, a scuffle, fight, you know. And some words are exchanged and things get heated. But when they turn into the church parking lot, shazam, everything's changed. People put on smiles and faces and, you know, it's a GQ family stepping out of the car. Because we think that's what's expected. We, we think perfection is what God is after. You know, I hesitate to say this because I know it may keep some people from, you know, raising their hands in a moment. But the, the, truthfully, there are some people who in, in worship will raise their hands in order to be seen by others. You know, if you grew up Presbyterian, this was as far as your hands could go up. You know, if you grew up Baptist, maybe you could do one of these. You know, if you, if you grew up in a Pentecostal kind of environment, you know, you're full armpit exposure. You know, you just got it, got, got it going on kind of thing. Um, you you got to know the rules about these things, don't you? You know, um, sometimes you'll hear somebody say, I'm praying for you, brother. You know, they've just had this conversation and they're, this person shared a need. Yeah, I've got you covered. But do we? Was that just a facade of righteousness? Do, are, 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 we living, are we living it out? Are, are we following through? You know? Are we just looking for a, a, a holy look? See, that, that does something deep in us when we, when we do that. Because if we get patted on the back... For something like that, if somebody says, yeah, I know you're a prayer, you, you tell people you're praying for them all the time, it sparks something in us that has a facade of religious. And what it does is it feeds uh, almost a cycle of addiction in us that leads to a, a, an oppression 
that Jesus is warning his followers about. Why do we do this? Why, why do we let our giving and our praying and our Bible studies and fastings that are truly portals to communion with God, why do we let them become something other than that? You know, why, why do our, our motives, pursuing good practices, why can our motives get so quickly twisted? where we can appear to be doing the right things, but we're doing them for the wrong reasons. And here's the sad part. Here's what begins to happen in our own lives. We start to measure ourselves by the level of applause. You know, I can start to think uh, how well I'm doing based on how many people say something kind about the message afterwards. People serving in, uh, on worship team could, could easily have our hearts twisted by the enemy to think, you know, how many people raised their hands when we were worshiping? How many people were doing this? You know, um, and it's so easy to, to get sucked into that, that vortex. Some of you who engage in social media, have you ever like posted, you know, a spiritual thought of the day? And then you run back throughout the day to check and see how many likes you got or retweets you got? Because you want to know what people think about you. And about what, what you've just done. And, and that erodes our souls when we start thinking that this is the pursuit that Jesus has for us. And we need to be reminded, uh, again, a warning in God's word. In Proverbs chapter 14, the Bible tells us, Some people think they are doing right, but in the end, it leads to death. And friends, we live in a world that is filled with this pursuit of approval and achievement. And people go to the endless, you know, links to, to accomplish that. And it leads to this uh, approval addiction, this tyranny that approval has over our souls. And Jesus says, if that's what you want, that's all you're ever going to get. Let me push this just a, a hair deeper. Why, why do we do these things? Why, what is it, you know, that this approval seeking, you know, wanting to look like we have it all together? Well, I, I, I've come to believe something, and this past year has really convinced me of this. I've come to believe that everyone, whether you're a follower of Jesus or, or not, that we, we all have a suspicion that something is broken inside of us. That there is some brokenness in us, that, that there's something missing. And I believe this is part of the image of God stirring in us. That, and, and no matter how marred or how scarred or smudged or, or broken your brokenness is, that image of God in you, there's still a longing for wholeness. There's still a longing for so much more. And I believe that God put that, put that in us. You know, of all the things that the Lord kind of opened my heart and mind to in 2022, this desire for wholeness, this, uh, this desire for what uh, the scriptures call shalom, the, the full peace of God, I now see as this, this longing that many of us had, and I, I see it now rooted in a, a disorder, a, a disorder that therapists will call attachment disorder. In our relationship with God as well as our relationship with each other. And the Lord has been showing me uh, this in, in new ways in my own life. And I believe that for so many of us it has roots back into our childhood. But through his, 
his faithful, enduring, abiding, attaching, connecting love. There's an Old Testament word, word hesed, that the Lord has just kind of opened my mind to, uh, that God is pursuing us in this. And God wants to, 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 to bring about change in this. And I'm convinced that this is a part of what Jesus is teaching on here. This longing to feel connected and attached. And we go to great lengths to get a fix on that feeling. You know, it, it, it's almost like we don't feel okay with ourselves or with God, so we go to, to all these links. And Jesus is trying to tell us if our motive is wrong, we're always going to end in pain. It's always going to take us to, to despair the, the, because it's just short-lived. If our behavior is wrong in this, if the, if the way we practice righteous practices is wrong, we'll end up feeling trapped, We'll end up feeling fake and phony and eventually empty. And Jesus is coming against those. And one of the ways you see it happening in people's lives is people, people church hop. They just church hop. They get, get something's not happening over here. Or they, they may kind of go from one theological camp to another. You know, they go to, to one church that's just full-blown worship, and so they throw themselves into worship, but it doesn't do it for them in the long run. It's short-lived. And then they, so they go to a, a church that's more serious about studying the Bible and they get in as many Bible studies as they can. But that still doesn't quench because so often they're doing this for the outward approval of people. And eventually you wake up from that exhausted, oftentimes in a place where what Scott was talking about happens. And you kind of look around and say, is that all there is? And then you've you got to find somebody to blame. And so you want to blame the hypocrites, you know, us. And it, it's this kind of awful spiral downward. And friends, Jesus is not content to let the people he loves live that way. And I hope you're thankful for that. I'm thankful for it, that he is not content with us living this way. And so he addresses these righteous practices to people who are doing them with the wrong motivation. And then what Jesus does is he reframes what a healthy motive looks like. Look at this in, in verses 4 and 6. Jesus kind of says, here's the problem, but here's the fix. And your father, the, the focus is on the father. And your father who sees, your father sees you. He sees what's going on. And notice where it goes further. And your father who sees in secret God, your Father, sees those secret places in your heart where that longing exists for connection and attachment and wholeness. He sees that, and he wants to fill that. Your Father sees in secret. He, he, he knows. And the motivation, Jesus is saying, is, is a reward from your Father. Not the approval of people. That's, that's not going to take anywhere. So Jesus then turns and he reframes what healthy behavior looks like. And he tells us, so when you do this, don't, and this is kind of a, a strange metaphor. Give me a second to unpack it. But Jesus says in, in verse 3, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Okay? Now, he's not suggesting that your right hand be stupid. Okay? He's not suggesting if you're right-handed, there's something wrong with you. That's not what he's saying. I'm left-handed, by the way, just so you know. But anyway, he's saying not, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is. He's not saying there's something wrong there. He's not, he's not saying that, you know, we shouldn't pray in public here 
Because so often the scriptures tell us to pray in public. He, he's not saying we shouldn't talk about giving publicly and challenge people to give because clearly the scriptures do that. He's saying your behavior should have as its motivation an intimate connection to God. Not a public display for the uh, approval of others. You know, it's, it, it, it needs to become more of who you are. I want to challenge you to do an experiment this week. This, this Matthew 6, 3 experiment. Uh, your, your left hand not knowing what your right hand is doing, okay? I tried it. It is frustrating. And you're saying, Joe, why would you want to frustrate us? Shared experience. Just, you know, go with it. But here's what I want you to try to do. I want you to try to tie your shoe this way. With your left hand doing what your right hand normally does. And your right hand doing what your left hand normally does. Now, that's going to require some thought to think about that and then kind of reversing it. And I'm telling you, it will be difficult. Okay? If, if some of you may say, that sounds impossible. And it, it feels that way to begin with. But one of the reasons that Jesus uses that illustration is, is because... It, not knowing, letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It, with, with the shoe thing, here's what's happened. I have, I have learned to tie my shoes so well that I don't think about it. I, I just don't. It is a natural part of who I am. And so my left hand does not have to know what my right hand's doing. doesn't have to think about it. It just, it just goes at it. And interestingly, I, I don't have to think about it. Interestingly, Dr. Dallas Willard, one of the things he said about the spiritual life is, when you rightly are pursuing the spiritual life, you'll be surprised at the numbers of things you no longer have to think about. You no longer have to waste energy on, on, on thinking uh, uh, about those things. You know, when you first learn to tie your shoe, what do you do? You pull out your, 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 your trumpet or your bugle and you blow your horn. Mommy, look what I did. You know, you blow your horn. You, you do that. Um, if, if one of y'all came to me today and said, Joe, look, I tied my shoe. We probably need another discussion, you know. Uh, something else is going on there. Um, but you, you, it's, this, it's this habit of, uh, of forgetting why I'm doing this because it, you've become... Uh, at the core, a person who does this. When you first start giving, it'll feel like you're doing something heroic. And you'll feel like you want somebody to know. You know, when you, when you start uh, really engaging in a life of prayer, there's, you're going to feel heroic. And you're, it's like you're going to want, want other people to know. When, you're, when you begin to give generous of your time and serve, like Dan was talking about earlier, you're going to want, you're going to want people to see it and, 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 and notice. It's kind of like, hey, honey, I, I, I cleaned up the dishwasher without you asking. Do, 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 do. You know, we, 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 we want to blow our horns on things instead of just letting those things flow from uh, our heart because eventually... As you're giving, you'll become generous, and you won't think about how wonderful you are. It'll just be part of your walk with God, and you'll be free to think about more interesting things. And Jesus had a way of talking about this, and in this, he says, and your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. See, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is inviting people to not only act differently, but think differently. 
to think for the glory of God, to think for their own wholeness, and ultimately for the, the renewal, to be a part of the renewal of all things that Jesus is bringing about. And he used this example of not knowing, letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing as a way to kind of grab your mind. Because Jesus is inviting people into deeper communion and intimacy with God. And that is the ultimate reward. And I don't know about you, but doesn't that sound so much better than something that's short-lived? Something that's like a vapor? I mean, doesn't that, to, to have connection and communion and attachment to God. In their book, The Deeper Journey, I want to read something to you from it. Um, authors uh, Ruth Haley Barton and Robert Mulholland, they, they said this. They said, union with God results in our being a person through whom God's presence touches the world with forgiving, cleansing, healing, liberating, and transforming grace. The world will not believe in Christ because of our sound theology or our correct creed or our well-defined dogma or our rigorous religiosity. The world will believe when it sees Christ-likeness manifested from our lives. I, I, I just, I love that. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I, I want that. I want that kind of union with God through Jesus. And this was Jesus' invitation to move away from performance and achievement, trying to measure up through rituals or practices that always just leave you empty, more empty inside. And he's inviting us to join in the kingdom work of seeing all things renewed and enjoying communion with him on the journey. That, that idea of practicing your righteousness so that the, the ultimate reward is, is God. G getting, getting what we truly long for. Connection and communion and attachment to God. Getting a wholeness. And so Jesus is saying we don't have to go through this endless parade of doing things. Trying to measure up. We can be with God. And practice taking steps to be like Jesus. And, and people may see that. But when you're doing it with the right heart and motivation, they're going to give glory to God. And so that leads me to what for me became the big idea for, for today. And it's simply this, that communion with God comes through pursuit and not perfection. Pursuit, not, and we all need to, to hear this and be reminded of this, especially the perfectionists among us. You know, who so badly want to get everything right that oftentimes it just implodes in us. We especially need to, to hear this. Communion with God does not come from doing everything perfectly. It doesn't. You can be released from the tyranny of that. And, and those of us who suffer with perfectionist tendencies, we know that because we've tried it and failed. But here's what it does come through. It comes from pursuing God faithfully, not perfectly, just faithfully. Getting up again after we failed, not doing it perfectly. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but that is good news. That I don't have to do it perfectly, I just have to pursue faithfully. See, if we pursue praise from other people to fill the longing in our heart... We know it's going to end in emptiness, but if we pursue that 
for communion with God, we will ultimately get what we're seeking and we'll begin to feel okay with ourselves and with others around us and with God. And we'll get to experience that wholeness our souls are longing for. Now, really, I think from really the Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, all the way through chapter 6 until you get to verse 33, I think there's this buildup that's happening until you get to Matthew 6.33. And some of you have it memorized. Some of you know it. And Matthew 6.33 tells us, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, this, this kind of practice of righteousness. Seek, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That, that longing of your soul will be met. It, it will be filled if you do that. And everything else kinds of gets added in. I love the way the message translates this. It says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Jesus is telling us, you don't have to worry about all that stuff. You don't have to worry about you know, what others are thinking. You don't have to worry about houses and cars and all that. You don't have to worry about the approval of, of everybody else. Seek first God, his kingdom, and those righteous practices, the way of doing that, and everything. You'll get everything, and you'll quit chasing, and you'll feel okay with you and okay with those around you, and you'll see God starting to restore the brokenness. But all of this requires that you set your intention towards this. That you seek, set your intention to seek first the kingdom of God. See, what Jesus is saying is the best thing that any of us can do is just to pursue him. To spend time with him. To take a step every day. And, and for, for some of us, that means we, we got to start by setting uh, the intention that when our, our feet hit the floor in the morning... Our heart is intent on this, of seeking first the kingdom of God. Maybe, maybe some of you need to write it down on sticky notes like we used for Christmas Eve. You just need to put it on sticky notes everywhere you go, you know, in your car, in the, where you brush your teeth, just wherever, okay? Just to remind you that I need to set my intent this way, you know? Am, is my heart moving towards this, seeking first his kingdom? And here's what I want to do. I, I want to give you just a couple of plans I'm, I'm going to call them pursuit plans. These are, these are plans for pursuing those, those righteous practices, if you would. Here's the first one. Set your heart on Jesus and life in his kingdom. Set your heart on Jesus and life in his kingdom. Now, I'm not going to elaborate on that one anymore because I've, I've hit that and I've hit that and I've hit that. So I'm going to jump on to, to number two. Secondly, engage in healthy rhythms and practices. There are rhythms of life and practices that you and I can engage in that will help us to look more like Jesus. And if, you know, if you're, if you're saying, well, what are they? Well, Jesus addresses a few of them, you know, in what we've talked about. There's giving. There's praying. There's, there's fasting. You jump down a few verses. Th those are some of the things that Jesus mentioned. You know, he said, but when you give, but, but when you pray, those are things that we could do. And interestingly, the scriptures themselves talk a lot about this, this practice of, of training. Paul writes to his young disciple, his young protege, Timothy, in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 7 
uh, 1 Timothy, Paul says this, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. There, there are different kinds of practices. There are individual practices, and there are corporate practices. You're, you're engaged in a corporate practice right now. Do you know that? A corporate spiritual practice right now. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, and let us consider one another. By being here, you have considered others. Now, this is what it says. Consider others in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Don't, don't give up on that. It, 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 the reason the scriptures say that is because it has to do with the longing of our hearts. How many of you saw the, the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks? Anybody see that? Other than Tom Hanks, who was your favorite character? Wilson. Wilson was my favorite. Wilson should have won an Academy Award. Amen? The, the dude should have won an Academy Award for his role. Um, some of you are saying, who's Wilson? Well, Wilson was a volleyball. The, 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 the storyline in the movie, yes, I'm, I'm going to ruin it for those of you who've never seen it. But the storyline in the movie is Tom Hanks ends up crashed on a desert island. He's all alone and years pass. And um, he, he has this volleyball that was part of the cargo his plane was carrying. And one day in his own blood, he draws out a face on Wilson, this volleyball. And eventually, as the, the volleyball ages, as years pass, um, he gets a little bit more, you know, torn up. And eventually, he ends up with a spike hairdo. I don't know if you remember the, that spike hairdo that he has. Um, and this, this becomes kind of a lifesaver for, for Tom Hanks. You, you may think he's going crazy, but really, it's, it's pointing to the longing of the human heart for connection to another. And there's this moment in time where... Uh, he, he decides, i got to get off this island. He builds this raft, and he finally gets across uh, kind of the, those wave breakers that uh, are just crashing on the, on the shore. He, he gets out there, and time passes, and his raft starts to fall apart. And there's this moment in time, because he took Wilson with him, there's this moment in time that Wilson falls into the ocean. And Hanks is kind of passed out from thirst and those kinds of things. And he finally opens his eyes and sees Wilson drifting off. And there's this kind of frantic effort to, to get to Wilson because it is the closest thing to human connection that he has, and he's desperate for it. But he drifts away. And, and I don't know about you, um, but that was the closest I ever came to sobbing over a volleyball. Uh, you know, um, just, and people talked about that moment, and, and, and it, it was talked about because it is, it is a story of a bigger story that's the story of God. See, Jesus left that raft of heaven, and he swam out to get you because Jesus could not stand the thought of you drifting away from him for all eternity. He, could not, he couldn't bear the thought. And so he came to you, for you, because of his great love for you. Because of that connection that we need, that we, our, our souls long for. 
That's, that's one of those corporate practices that meets the deepest need and longing in the human heart is, is, is this being together. And Jesus, Jesus wanted to be with you forever. And so you're practicing a, a corporate righteous practice just by coming regularly. You know, even, even the things we participate in together, you know, when we went through Advent together, uh, maybe when you stopped and paused for, to think about Epiphany, um, about, you know, just that moment in time where we see the promise of God being fulfilled that the, the nation of Israel would be a blessing to the entire world, even to, you know, pagans like me and, and, and you if you're not Jewish. You know, th- there, there, there's this, this movement and these corporate practices, but there are also individual practices. Studying God's Word. Meditating on God's word, fasting. These are individual practices that, that you or I could undertake. And the beginning of a new year is the perfect time to engage in healthy practices and righteousness that will help you attach to God as Father and feel the love that He has for you because He wants to yank you out from the tyranny and oppression of approval of others. And the only thing that will do that is when you know that you are approved of by God. So practice your righteousness, surely, but do it in a way that gives life. And friends, some of you are saying, well, what practices should I engage? I don't know. I don't know what practice would be best for you to engage right now. I I know things like Bible study are things that we all need to do, but there's a tool here that... um, uh, dear friends of, of River Bluff, Cindy Shirley and uh, Dean Enfinger compiled for us uh, about two years ago, and it's still one of the best tools I know of to help you walk with the Holy Spirit to know where you're at on your journey and know what practices would help you best. I'm going to put this copy down here. Y'all can fight. No, don't fight over it. Somebody can have that one. But if you want one, if you're saying, I want some help in this journey, let us know and we will get you a copy. You can get an electronic copy. That's my favorite way to use it. Some people like hard copies. But it's a tool to help you on that journey to decide which of these practices will help me connect with God and, and help that longing that I have. And that leads to the third kind of pursuit plan that I want to give you. And it's simply this. Heed the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Heed the promptings that come from the Holy Spirit. Listen to God's God's word about his spirit. Romans chapter 5. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. Friends, one of the great ways, one of the greatest ways that you will experience the attaching, connecting love of God is through the presence of the Holy Spirit that God has promised he has put in your heart if you trusted Christ. And so you and I need to learn to interact and, 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 and respond to the Holy Spirit. Listen to some other scriptures about how we should respond to the Holy Spirit. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, do not hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. Some translations say don't quench. Don't quench the work. Uh, Ephesians 4, uh, 30. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Friends, don't take the Holy Spirit living in you for granted. You know, there's no way to seek first the kingdom of God apart from the work of the Spirit in you. 
There's no way to really engage practices of righteousness and do it in a righteous way without the, the urging and prompting and moving of the Spirit. So let the Spirit guide you to what practices you need to engage. But you also need to understand something else about the Holy Spirit. He comes to you uniquely. See, when Jesus is talking about his kingdom, you know, every kingdom has a king and has, has subjects in it. And those subjects work together, all of them. Not just a few of them, not just 20%. Everybody has a role and a part. And so part of the question you need to, to ask is, what role am I filling in the kingdom of God? How, how am I serving? And it needs to be unique to your background that God has given you and the gifting and, and the skill set that he's given you. But if you listen to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, he will let you know. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth about this, says this. He says uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, God gives us many kinds of special abilities, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service to God, but it's the same Lord we're serving. There are many ways in which God works in our lives, but it is the same God who does the work in and through all of us who are His. The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. We all, every one of us, has a unique role to play in the kingdom of God. And that expression of the kingdom is through a local, a local church. But so many of us have abdicated that for, for, for different reasons. Maybe because we feel like we're not important enough or too insignificant, or maybe we advocate because we, you know, we, we think the kingdom of God is a is a someday thing, you know. I'm just going to kind of hide over here in my corner and, until Jesus shows up, and then I'll, I'll engage. Friends, that is not the posture God's calling his people to. That's not living the way of Jesus for Jesus in the here and now. Kingdom living is using those unique giftings that God has given you to make a difference. Partnering with Jesus in the renewal of all things, helping uh, others to find that freedom from the oppression. It's not just hiding and talking about it, but it's, it's listening and doing. And friends, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and he is speaking to you. The question is, are you listening? Are, are, are you listening? Now, here's what I found in my journey with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't shout at me the Holy Spirit whispers. You remember that commercial that says, if you want someone's attention, whisper. Well, the Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit speaks into those places in your soul, that, that secret space that we were talking about earlier. And again, I think the growth plan can help you learn to discern the voice of the Spirit. But he's speaking to you. And, and maybe the Spirit is calling you to just call and check on. Maybe it, for you it might be as simple as the Holy Spirit saying, hey, call and check on somebody today. That may, may be what he's doing. For others of you, it may be more complex. God may uproot you. He may, the Holy Spirit may say to you, I need you to move from Charleston, South Carolina and, and head to Tucson because I got to work for you there. Uh, the Holy Spirit kind of decides that. But he, he speaks to everyone, and he, he does it for your good. For his glory, yes, but, but for your good. And it's, he speaks to you often, not just for yourself, but for others. 
two Sundays from now, um, we'll, we'll pause and we will think um, about Sanctity of Life Sunday here at River Bluff. Something we, we do most every year. And uh, on stage that Sunday will be um, some folks from our church who God spoke to in a very powerful way and it transformed their lives. And because of that transformation, uh, they're actually going to be engaging and launching a new ministry. And you don't want to miss that. Um, for some, it may be simple. For some, it may be huge and, and complex. But there's no doubt that part of practicing righteousness means positioning yourself to hear the voice of the Spirit because He's trying to speak to you because the Spirit of God wants you set free. He wants to pull you out from under the oppression of human approval so that you hear His voice. He wants you to experience the attaching, connecting love of your Father. And He wants to point you that way. So that you can come to the Father and tangibly experience His greatness and His goodness and His witness that will set you free from the tyranny of approval of this world. So the question is, will you hear the Spirit's voice and will you come to the Father? Not just come, will you run to the Father? Will you say, I'm going to seek first your kingdom and I'm going to do it in right ways pursuing righteousness and the Holy Spirit will guide you on that journey let's pray okay let's pray Father we, we come we come in this moment we come God giving thanks Jesus we thank you that you don't want to just leave us stuck in this addiction of approval of the world because you have so much more to offer us. You have eternity now that you want to give to your people. That we could live an eternal kind of life now, here. Showing us how to live in those practices, those holy practices that actually give us life and don't take it away from us. Practicing in such a way that the end that we have in mind is your face, Father. Seeing your face more fully. Seeing, God, your favor shining down on us. God, our hearts long for that. Even when we don't know it, that's what our hearts long for in those deep places, those, those secret spaces. So God, step into those secret spaces right now in our hearts. Holy Spirit, whisper from those spaces to our minds so that we will hear you so we'll run to our Father so we can be unleashed of those burdens that we're tired of carrying that we can be released from the tyranny and addiction of approval of everybody else but you we can be set free so we come now to kind of this moment of decision because we're all going to run after something Will you run after your Father? Jesus, we come thanking you for your word to us. Thanking you for your word that points out pathways that we can pursue right righteousness and don't have to give in to the lies of this world and our culture. 
So we come back to you now, Jesus. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Draw us near to the Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen.